From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, we continue our look at the 100-day mark of the Biden administration. Is he the moderate that Americans were told he was? The Biden administration and President Biden has definitely exceeded expectations that progressives had. That was uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at a virtual town hall meeting on Friday. Well, the evidence of the first 100 days reveals his policies on abortion are anything but moderate. Joining me in just a few moments with the evidence is the chairman of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus, Montana Senator Steve Daines. Also, the 2020 census data is out, and it shows that citizens are voting with their feet leaving the quote-unquote progressive states like California and New York heading south for the most part. What impact might this trend have on politics, both nationally and at the state level? We'll talk about it with Chuck DeVore, vice president of Texas Public Policy and a former member of the California State Assembly. And the Chinese Communist Party is continuing its efforts to control religion in an attempt to neutralize its cultural impact and come near the church for its own purposes. What ta- tactics are they using? Using what can we take as warning signs of the repression of religion there in the country of China? Well, China Aid just released their annual persecution report. The president of China Aid, Bob Fu, joins us later here on Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there on the website for you. In fact, we have a document that you can uh, download and print out. It's about five pages. And it highlights the first 100 days of the Biden administration on issues of life, religious freedom, human sexuality. Quite frankly, it shows a stark contrast with what we saw in the last four years. You can go to TonyPerkins.com and download that. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Okay, in just a short period of time, 100 days, President Biden has carved himself out to be the most pro-abortion president in American history, moving not only to undo federal pro-life policies, but directing more and more taxpayer dollars to the abortion industry. Even the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package that he signed had more to do with funding abortion than providing important relief to the American people. With me now to talk about some of these lowlights of the first 100 days of the Biden administration with regard to abortion funding is U.S. Senator Steve Daines of Montana. He is the founder and chair of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. He serves on the U.S. Senate Finance Committee. And uh, by the way, his state is the recipient of a new congressional seat as a result of people going to Montana. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. We, we think that another seat for Montana is a good thing. If D.C. could look more like Montana, we'd be better off. Well, it's not south, but I do like Montana. It's wide open, big sky country, and uh, and I like it. Yeah. So does everybody well, else. We've got a lot of population in flux. So. I, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's a good place to be. And the values that uh, we're talking about here, the sanctity of human life, something that uh, not only do Montana voters care about, but voters across this country. And they're not finding uh, any, uh, well, they're not finding a warm spot in the heart of Joe Biden. They're not, Tony. You know, you contrast 
where we were with President Trump. We had the, the most pro-life president I think we've ever seen in terms of results and outcomes. It was remarkable to see the progress we made in fighting for the most vulnerable. Contrast that to President Biden. I think it's safe to say he's the most pro-abortion president we've ever had. And he's, he's not just pro-choice. He's anti-life and very pro-abortion. We saw we do exclude those high protections from the COVID relief bill. By the way, that's the first time in 44 years he nixed the policy that prevents taxpayer dollars to fund abortions overseas. You know, he reinstated funding for the U.N. population, fund that supports, as you just talked about, China's forced abortions. And then most recently dismantled our Title X protections that protected life. And so I, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. And just such the drastic shift from such a pro-life president in President Trump to such a radical pro-abortion president and President Biden. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Hyde Amendment. Now, this is a provision. It's an annual rider that goes on the appropriation bill. Uh, I just, you know, for, for those outside the Beltway, uh, you know, we talk in these uh, terms, and sometimes I don't know exactly what it is. The Hyde Amendment simply prevents taxpayers from being forced to fund abortions. In fact, Joe Biden supported it for years. Now, to his credit, he had this conversion on the campaign trail. So voters, those who voted for him should have known it. But I've got a clip I want to play of him talking about uh, this uh, kind of conversion. This was at the uh, Democratic National Committee in Atlanta uh, on uh, June 6, 2019, as he was a candidate for president. Here's a clip of what he had to say. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. But I want to be clear with you. I don't want to mislead you. If in fact, if in fact it was still available, I think, just as I've never attempted to impose my views on anyone else's the when life begins, I have never attempted to impose my view on who should pay for it if people fundamentally disagree with my with the position we take. But folks, but, folks, times have changed. I don't think these guys are going to let up. So, Senator Daines, times have changed. We have to force taxpayers to fund abortion in America. Boy, that, that's just a, a, a sad, sad comment. You think about um, 64 million children who have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. It just breaks your heart to see that. And I... I mean, yet times have changed and elections have consequences. And now we're seeing a dismantling of protections, Tony, that have been in place you know, for 44 years. And by the way, this is something that not only has strong bipartisan support once upon a time, but the American people strongly support having these, these high protections, not ha- allowing taxpayer dollars to go for abortions. That's still a popular provision in the Democrats, led by Joe Biden, Nancy Schumer, and Chuck Schumer, are dismantling that right before our very eyes. Right. A, a poll just out earlier this year, when it, as it pertains to taxpayer funding of abortion overseas, something that uh, was even in the, the uh, COVID relief uh, measure, is uh, 77% of Americans oppose this. Even a majority of Democrats oppose federal funding of abortion overseas. So it's not even, it's not even close. Well, when you go down, Senator Daines, the list of what this administration is, it is not a stretch what you just said, that this is the most pro-abortion president in history. 
what the Biden administration, from my observation, and, and you can unpack this for us, but from my observation, the Biden administration picked up where the Obama administration left off. You know, Obama kind of ramped up even to the 11th hour doing these radical policies. It took him a while to get started. Joe Biden did this on day one. It's remarkable, Tony, and, and it's virtually in every important policy area, to those of us who believe in, in faith and family and freedom, we're being hit on all sides. That's the fight. We're pushing back on every front. But it's, it's, it's breathtaking to see how quickly they've moved to positions that were virtually unthinkable. unthinkable. These were bipartisan positions that uh, were had Democrats and Republicans saying, no, 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 we're not going to allow taxpayer dollars to fund abortions. No, we're not going to support overseas abortions. And I think that's really the crux of what's happening now with this court packing discussion. You know, why, why do the Democrats want to add four Supreme Court justices? They want to undo what we did by putting Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch on the bench. There's a, it's a 6-3 court probably. Uh, by you know, God willing, the crick don't rise. Why would they want to add four far-left justices? Well, that gives them a 7-6 majority. And you know, we hope and pray that we're going to have a decision that will come before the court here sooner versus later on Roe v. Wade. They're scared to death. We've got the judge right now, I think, Tony, was a reasonable shot to get that overturned. If you look at the fight we had in the Supreme Court, I would argue it really came back to the issue of life and abortion. That is what really ramped up the the anti-Kavanaugh, anti-Gorsuch, the anti-Comey Barrett. Uh, Senator, I think you're absolutely right. And I go back to that clip we just played of Joe Biden in uh, June of 2019. And he said, you know, I no longer support the Hyde Amendment. And the people cheered. I mean, it's one thing, as you said a moment ago, to be pro-choice. But what we're seeing from today's Democratic Party is they are pro-abortion. They celebrate. I mean, you have New York lighting up the uh, Empire State Building when they pass a, a bill that allows you to kill newborn infants. I mean, this is we live in a new era that, quite frankly, is uh, is very troubling when you look I mean, when you consider the conscience of America. And the innocent blood, as you pointed out, that's being shed in this country. You know, we got to pray. We've got to stand up for the sanctity of human life. And we've got to vote those values every opportunity we get. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we have these discussions, Tony, you know, with our, our great folks out there fighting with us, praying for us uh, to uh, protect the most vulnerable. Let's not forget, though, it's, it's only a 50-50 Senate. It, the, the margins are so thin at the moment. The House is just you know, three or four seats. And that's why we've got to stop this horrible parade of these you know, pro-abortion uh, Democrats and the, the radicals, but unfortunately it's become mainstream for the Democrats. We also yeah. have to remember we've got an election coming up in 22, Tony, and we've got a good shot to get the House back to stop this. We've got a shot here to, to get the Senate back. And then I, I think this overreach, they're so far out of step in so many areas of just where most of the American people are. This is going to come back to haunt them, like we saw happen in 2010 and 2014. You know, wave elections, but it comes down to making sure that uh, our great supporters out there get out and exercise that precious right to vote. You're absolutely right in comparing this to 2009 with Obamacare and the 2010 election cycle where the Republicans in were given control uh, of the of the House and uh, and ultimately the entire in, into the Senate later on, but l- you've introduced a number of pieces of legislation. You're not just sitting back here wringing your hands. You're you're introducing legislation now. I know that in this Congress, it's not going to pass, but it's important to put down markers. And what I think you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, 
you're saying this is what the Republicans will do if we have the ability. Yeah, well, I tell you, we, we have got to um, think about, first and foremost, just stopping late-term abortions, stopping abortions after 20 weeks, like the Pain Capable Act, where a baby can feel pain. I, I spoke to a group of 500 high school students over the weekend. Wonderful. They were pro-life, great patriots. And I said, Google, Google 20 weeks. Take out your phone and Google 20-week baby. You look at the image of what a baby looks like at 20 weeks. Tony, think that we're debating whether or not an abortion can occur at that moment when a baby feels pain. Uh, that 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 bill, we, we want to have another vote on that on the floor of the United States Senate, um, and, and as well as, of course, the baby born alive bill. It's just incredible to think that in an infanticide. It's not even an abortion bill, Tony. That's an infanticide bill. Yeah. To, Ensure that if a baby is born as a result of a botched abortion, you protect the life of the baby. It is incredible that our colleagues across the aisle have moved so far to embracing that pro-abortion agenda. They can't even stand with us on, on bills that no. majority of people support. By the way, nothing, I Go ahead, Tony. I was going to say we're, we're up against break, but I, nothing provides a greater contrast between where the two parties stand today than that issue of the born alive. Uh, it is amazing to me, uh, astounding to me, that we cannot see bipartisan support for a measure that would simply say if a child survives an abortion, we give them medical aid. Uh, it's just it's astounding. Senator, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us, and I want to thank you for your leadership in the United States Senate on that fundamental right of life. Thanks, Tony. Folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, what does the 2020 census tell us about America? That's next. Don't go away. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org slash explainer. That's frc.org slash explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? 
Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me uh, remind you, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray, Vote, Stand. You want to join us? uh, Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be with us, as will uh, former Secretary of uh, HUD, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, be a part of our Pray, Vote, Stand this week as uh, as we take a deeper look at the policies of the Biden administration at the 100-day mark. That's tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayboatstand.org. All right, the U.S. Census Bureau yesterday delivered the 2020 census state population counts that are used to determine how many seats each state will have in the U.S. House of Representatives and how many electoral votes each state will have. Well, Texas emerged as the big winner, gaining two House seats, while Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon each uh, racked up one new seat. This is it's important stuff uh, because uh, you get more representation in Congress. This is also based upon some of how allocations of how federal funds go for highways and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's, it's important stuff. But uh, seven states, seven states gain or six states gain seven seats. Seven states lose one seat each. California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Now, notably, California's loss is its first, the first time since becoming a state in 1850. So what can we draw from this and what impact will this have? Joining me now to talk about this is Chuck DeVore, who is among those who moved from the census's first time loser, California, to the big winner. Texas. He served in the California State Assembly from 2004 to 2010, and he is now vice president of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He also wrote an article that was published just last month on how hundreds of thousands of Americans have been making the move to freedom, leaving these progressive states for free states. Chuck, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, it's great to be with you, Tony. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm not getting audio from Chuck. Got audio coming through. Let's get that. Uh, it's great to be with you, Tony. We'll get that worked out. Oh, my. We, we got it. Okay, there you are. We got you, Chuck. Hey, hey, it's great to be with you, Tony. Thank you for having me on your show. 
Well, this is uh, interesting stuff. There seems to be a pattern here. I mean, I was a uh, police officer on the street, wasn't a detective, but I can tell there's something happening here. People are leaving these uh, big, blue, oppressive, high-tax, high-regulation states to places that are freer. Yeah, this has been going on for quite some time, and there's various ways of measuring it. For example, you could look at the level of taxation in the state, uh, and that can be a pretty reliable guide as to domestic migration. That's state-to-state migration. Frequently, though, uh, states that lose a lot of people domestically see that made up with international in-migration. So New York and California, while they lose a lot of people every year, they also gain a lot of people, both legal and illegal immigrants. Uh, so this has been going on for quite some time. You know, another way to measure it is through the Fraser Institute. Every year they publish the Economic Freedom of North America uh, Index. It looks at taxation, it looks at government spending, and it looks at labor law or union strength. And what's fascinating about that is if you look at the, the bottom five states uh, in the Fraser ranking, uh, that would include New York and, and Vermont and Alaska, interestingly enough, California, West Virginia, Every state that could lose a seat in the bottom five did lose a seat. Obviously, Vermont and Alaska can't lose any more. They only have one. Uh, So that's an interesting indication that people like freedom. They don't like to live in these oppressive, high-tax states. So this is people uh, voting with their feet. They're uh, they're leaving these states. And, you know, I've read some articles that, you know, you can vote, and, and we certainly encourage people to vote when it comes election time, but there's one way to make a, a, a an immediate effect, not not only upon the environment in which you're leaving, but for your own personal life. Move to a state that uh, is is freer, has lower taxes, lower government burdens. I mean, it's a it's an opportunity for those that want to start in a new place. It, it is, and another interesting indication is you look at U-Haul rates. You know, the do-it-yourself mover has kind of a real-time indicator uh, as to where working Americans or people who are certainly willing to shoulder the burden themselves in moving uh, are going to. And the reason why is that uh, when you have a lot of people going from one place to another, but not a lot of people going back, U-Haul has to pay somebody to reposition that truck back in the state where people are moving out of. And that's reflected in their rates real time. So just a couple of days ago, I looked up the cost of renting a 26-foot truck and going from the Silicon Valley to Austin, Texas, and then from Austin, Texas, back to Silicon Valley. And the cost to go from Texas to California, which is, of course, the direction that not a lot of people are going, uh, was five times less than the cost of going from Silicon Valley to Austin. So almost $6,000 to rent the truck going from California to Texas, but just a little over 1000 bucks to rent the same kind of truck going from Texas to California. Well, because you well, honestly, to hire so many people to reposition those trucks. Yeah, I mean, that's a deal for the U Haul because I tell you that you'd have to pay me to move from Texas to California. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to, I mean, that, but that's, that's what we see happening. And, and here's one of the challenges, I think, in this. And I've seen this, um, in fact, in Texas, we've seen this as there are those that are trying to turn Texas blue. You see a lot of these uh, corporations that doing the same thing that individuals are doing. They're looking for uh, jurisdictions that are more favorable to business, lower taxes, lower regulations. But sometimes these people, they don't leave their bad policy behind. And they, they're they like, uh, you know, they're worse than COVID-19. Uh, they infect the, uh, the local community with uh, liberalism. 
Yeah, what, what you're seeing is certainly that's often the case with these big multinational corporations. But when they move, as many of them have in the last few years from California or elsewhere to Texas, uh, most of those corporate moves really don't take a lot of people with them. A lot of times they hire locally and, and give, of course, their employees the option of, of staying in the state uh, you know, where they currently live. Uh, most of the growth, though, is occurring with uh, family-owned businesses, with entrepreneurs, with people who, who run their own uh, business. And we've done some polling here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and there's been other polls uh, in the past uh, that would suggest, I mean, the, the jury is still out, but the data we've gathered so far would suggest that the new arrivals to Texas, which is about 40% of the Texas population, by the way, was not born in Texas, that these new arrivals are as conservative or more conservative than the native born. So well, I don't that sounds think pretty, that, uh, hold, hold, yeah. hold that thought because we're up against a break. We're going to okay. come back and finish this conversation. So let's leave it on a high note and we're coming back. Don't go away, Good. folks. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. You're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you on the website. Also, programs all archived there at TonyPerkins.com. All right, talking census data. The Census Bureau releasing its uh, state information yesterday. And uh, we're going to see a shift of about seven seats, seven congressional seats, um, and the vast majority going to red states, uh, with the exception 
being uh, let's think, Illinois. I say actually Illinois is losing. Colorado and Oregon both gaining one seat. Not uh, not not real red states, obviously. But you have uh, most of these folks are are fleeing the east. Uh, and uh, moving to the south and the west. Uh, south is the only region to have a 10% growth, uh, over a double-digit growth over 10%. Uh, joining me to talk about this, uh, Chuck DeVore, he is a former member of the California State Assembly, but now resides in the state of Texas as the vice president of Texas Public Policy Foundation. So, Chuck, we left on a high note. You were saying that people coming to uh, to Texas are actually as conservative or more conservative, and they probably have in that U-Haul a bunch of guns, too, because they're trying to get away to a place where they can have the freedom to uh, to have a gun. Or or they'll buy some when they get to Texas. So uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Oregon and Colorado because, of course, Oregon benefits from the fact that while it doesn't have particularly low taxes, it doesn't have a sales tax, but it, it does have fairly high property uh, taxes and income taxes, uh, it's next door to California, which, of course, has the highest income tax rate in the nation. And so culturally, it it's not a big shift, right? Right, yeah. right. So, so, so you can improve your life by going from California to Oregon, and you, you'll find that the state is just as liberal politically. Uh, and similarly, okay, and, and, a lot of Californians move to Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say the same. That's that's what's happened in Colorado. You have a lot of folks from California that has gone there, uh, have gone there as well. All right, let's talk, Chuck, about the the impact that this will have on Congress as we see, uh, you know, four solidly red states picking up uh, seats here. What does this uh, What does this tell us about the midterm election? Well, I think it increases the odds that uh, the twenty twenty two election is going to result in a in a shift in who holds the speaker's gavel. Uh, it's interesting that California is losing a seat. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi is the dean of the California delegation. Uh, you know, the, the, the legislature doesn't control redistricting in California anymore. A supposedly, independent commission does, although it, it tends to lean left. Uh, but wouldn't it be ironic if Nancy Pelosi was uh, put into a seat with another Democrat and and had to uh, fight a game of musical chairs as to who gets to, you know, go well, forward. And you know, still be Chuck, that's not that that's not that far fetched when we, you know, we see all, saw how the Democratic Party there responded to Barbara Boxer. But you've got real progressives, progressives uh, out there in California that see Nancy Pelosi as a squish. Well, absolutely, that's the case, uh, and. Uh, you may see some some pretty interesting fights because, of course, California now has this uh, jungle primary that's very similar to the one that's in Louisiana, where the yes. top two uh, vote getters go on to the general election, regardless of party and regardless of whether someone gets 50 percent plus one or not. Uh, so yeah, they call um, it a jungle primary for a reason. Uh, I've, yeah, I've been to yeah, that. It's jungle. crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's, so so th- th- this this increases the odds for the Republicans to, to capture the gavel with nothing else in consideration. Well, that and the fact that you also have redistricting occurring in the, in the 50 states or certainly the states that have more than one congressional district. And so in places like Arizona or Texas or Georgia, where you have enough districts to kind of play with and you have a Republican legislature and a Republican governor, although I, I'm trying to remember, I think Arizona may also have an independent commission now. Uh, but w- it, when you have states where you have unified uh, partisan control and the ability to redraw the lines, uh, you know, it's anyone's uh, game at that point. Uh, the only way you can stop it is if you can somehow bring 
federal uh, civil rights uh, uh, charges in federal court and somehow claim that the partisan gerrymander overstepped its bounds uh, racially or ethnically. Uh, you really can't make the charge based on partisanship. Uh, and, and so that's probably what we're going to see to try to put a break on this. But imagine, you know, if Texas with 40 seats, imagine uh, what the legislature can do to, um, to kind of optimize the number of Republicans that might go from Texas to uh, the U.S. Congress. Right. Um, the Cook Report uh, says that they expect Republicans to gain anywhere from zero to eight uh, seats based upon just the map changes, uh, which would be enough to shift the balance of control in the uh, United States House. Right. And that's not even considering the usual midterm losses for the party that occupies uh, the White House. Uh, that's usually what happens. And we'll see. We'll see how the economy does. Obviously, we want to root for America. We want to root for the president. Uh, but frankly, the policies that he's putting in place seek to impose California-style uh, philosophy over the whole country. You know, it's important for your viewers to understand that, you know, when you have 50 states each competing with each other on their tax code and their regulatory burden, uh, that's a good thing. That's, that's the laboratory of democracy. And you see people moving from, you know, non-free states to free states. That's the general pattern. But the federal government can kind of override that by, for example, increasing the minimum wage or getting rid of the salt cap deduction or spending an enormous amount of money to bail out profligate blue states that tax and spend too much. And when that happens, right. the federal government can kind of level uh, the playing field and, and kind of ruin or bulldoze this competition between the states. And I'm afraid that that may, may occur, especially because the vice president, uh, is from California. Yeah. And I know the Californians don't want to cut taxes and they don't want to cut their regulations. So, of course, the easy path for California is you just make the rest of the country California. Like California, which America can't survive. Chuck DeVore, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk Thank with you. Thank you. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, 
the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. This is Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, uh, resources there for you, TonyPerkins.com. Our system of government, you're going to get tired of me saying this if you're a frequent listener, but it's, it's good to be reminded. Our republic was made for participants, not spectators. We have to do our part to preserve, protect, and restore the republic. And so you need to be involved. You can do so by in a couple of ways. We make it as easy as possible. And by the way, thank you, all of those who support us. Number one, those who pray for us, and I get these messages all the time. I get emails, and I read those emails, and I'm thankful for those emails. So thank you. Uh, I, I run into people in airports and different places that uh, you know, say, hey, appreciate what you guys are doing at uh, FRC, listen to you all the time, praying for you. And then we've got financial supporters, which makes it possible for us to be here. But we try to make it as easy as possible for you to be involved. And so there are resources available for you at TonyPerkins.com. You can download the Stand Firm app. That way you can actually listen to the program. If you're out beyond one of the 800 stations or so that carries Washington Watch or you're not able to watch online or um, his channel or uh, the various platforms are expanding by the week to different platforms. But you can still listen at the Stand Firm app. And and your at your fingertips, you have resources to contact your elected officials. And we send out alerts when you need to uh, respond to something. So we make it as easy as possible for you to be a participant in our republic. So go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and also go to the App Store and download the Stand Firm app. All right, some of you recall this a few weeks ago, the Chinese government uh, sanctioned me in my role as uh, the vice chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And the reason is because we have been drawing attention to the abuses in China, in particular focusing on the Uyghurs. But that's not the uh, that's the, not the sum total of the repressive actions of the Communist Party in China. Um, and here to tell us more about this is. Uh, Bob Fu, he is the president of China Aid, and they are just now releasing 
their 2020 annual persecution report that details what is happening in China, primarily as it's focused on Christian believers there. Bob Fu, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony, for having me uh, once again. Uh, first of all, congratulations to the badge of honor by being sanctioned uh, by the Chinese Communist Party for your voice for these voiceless brothers and sisters in China. Well, I think in part it's because they found out you're my friend, uh, and they're after you uh, because of your strong voice. So, uh, so thank you for that, Bob. But l- let's talk about uh, the findings of uh, of this year's report. What are some of the key findings and trends that China Aid has observed uh, during the year of 2020? During the year 2020, we find through our research on the ground investigation that uh, the religious persecution has really reached to another worst year we have not seen in 40 years. Uh, Perhaps uh, uh, the last time this worst uh, of persecution happened during the Chairman Mao's Cultural Revolution time. And for the first time, we have seen the government uh, systematic uh, 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 organizing the uh, sanction of um, Chinese uh, uh, children, Chinese educators, even medical personnel from uh, believing in Christian faith. I mean, all the teachers are uh, forced to sign a pledge not to believe uh, religion and uh, especially Christianity. And uh, all millions of Chinese Christian children were uh, forced to sign a form prepared by the Communist Party's propaganda department to renounce their faith uh, publicly. And, of course, uh, we have seen uh, with this uh, uh, Communist Party uh, COVID virus uh, spreading all over the world, and the Communist Party has essentially shutting down all the churches, Tony. It's all. Not a single one is allowed to open. And uh, even the government-sanctioned churches, hundreds of thousands of house churches, basically were forced to shut down, not only shut down the church service, but also shut down the virtue, like uh, uh, prayer meetings, uh, is uh, uh, punished if you organize that. We have a pastor, uh, Pastor Li Jinzhai, was sentenced to four and a half years uh, for uh, refusing uh, to comply with this policy. And uh, these are the, the key things uh, under the name of uh, uh, the COVID-19, and it continues into 2021. Bob, the uh, COVID-19 restrictions, which w- were... Uh, particularly onerous in China, but not limited to China. But that overlapped with something else that's been going on for a few years in China, and that is the cynicization uh, that they've been focused on with the church in particular. It's really a five-year push to to try to really bring everything under the umbrella of the Communist Party in China. Tell our, our, our viewers about that. That's right, Tony. Um, You know, 2020 marked the third year of this uh, Communist Party's push for sinicization. So the essence of sinicization means uh, basically to use the communist uh, doctrine uh, to uh, uh, brainwash and indoctrinate uh, everyone who is not, uh, including, of course, every faith, especially Christian faith, 
who is not found、uh, compatible with socialism and communism ideology. So that means、uh, all the church has to install. The face recognition cameras around the corner, on the pulpit, and outside the church to monitor everyone's activities, and that means every pastor has to pass a political test to show their absolute loyalty to President Xi Jinping and his ideology first before their. Uh, loyalty, dedication to the Bible and the Lord, and that means、uh, every cross on the rooftop of the church building has to be taken down. And if you are not、uh, voluntarily taken down, then the cross has to be forcefully demolished. We already have seen really、uh, thousands of thousands of churches. These are even government-sanctioned, supposedly legally registered churches. Their uh, uh, cross on the rooftop were being torn down, burned out, destroyed, and several、uh, government-sanctioned church pastors were even sentenced to like 14 years, 12 years, for refusing to comply with that policy. So you, I mean, even uh, the uh, doctrinal uh, uh, change is uh, being mandated、uh, because obviously, you know, some of the Christian teaching from the Scripture is not found compatible with socialism and communism.、Uh, for instance, if you preach on the doctrine of uh, uh, supernatural, you know,、uh, healing, uh, miracles,、uh, that called、uh, by the Communist Party as a superstition. So you cannot preach on that, and even the Communist Party tried to change some of the、uh, scripture, the interpretation of the scripture. So we're、uh, going to,、uh, you know, expecting to see a communist version of uh, uh, kind of uh, this, uh, the retranslated scripture. So we'll wait and see. But we already have seen some trends、uh, showing the, how the Communist Party tried to、uh, reinterpret the Bible. Well, and Bob,、uh, this is only going to intensify because, as I understand, there are new regulations that are going to take place on May first that are even more restrictive. That's right. After 2018, the regulation on religious affairs was、uh, adopted, and this whole sanitization started. And now, on May first, this、uh, so-called regulation on religious personnel and clergymen. Will take effect. I mean, remember this year, 2021, marked the 100th birthday of this brutal Chinese Communist Party, and now every church, every school have stopped everything but to study about、uh, Chairman Xi Jinping's、uh, doctrine and、uh, communism to celebrate so-called the Communist Party's accomplishment. And、uh, with this new law、uh, passed and、uh, on May 1st,、uh, this will guarantee. So every religious personnel,、uh, you know,、uh, pastors, uh, bishops uh, from Catholic Church, or a priest, or imam from the、uh, Muslim Uyghurs, or、uh, Buddhist,、uh, um, you know, these、uh, monks, and every religious uh, uh, leaders have to be subject for this、uh, Communist Party. Uh, uh, you know, almost a personal uh, uh, dedication. And worship almost close, you know, to President Xi Jinping first, and、uh, to the Communist Party's ideology before、uh, they can、uh, perform any religious service. 
So this, uh, ironically, you know, you, you almost like, uh, you know, as a pastor, I know, you know, you, you, when you do a denominational kind of a, a, a certificate, uh, you, you always have to, you know, uh, study about the scripture. But the Chinese, uh, this uh, new personnel law would, uh, for, would, uh, uh, mandate any religious personnel have to, uh, declare in public with a, a ceremony, uh, for their dedication to the Communist Party first. And, uh, if you, uh, authorize, um, any or perform any religious services without uh, the explicit authorization by the United Front Working Department of the Communist Party and the Religious Affairs Bureau, then you will be sanctioned and even face imprisonment. If you have any overseas contacts or fellowship with uh, uh, fellow Baptist uh, Presbyterians or any other believers without authorization, then that is a crime. It's not only a religious uh, kind of one, but it's a criminal one. So this uh, a new law will uh, make sure those religious personnel to be in total control, both their heart, mind, and uh, their physical presence under the Chinese Communist Party. Well, with that, uh, Bob, we've got a couple more questions. We're almost out of time, but what is the state of the church in China? What What is the strength, the, the vibrancy, the well-being? How would you describe the church in China today? The church in China, you know, despite of this uh, intensive, unprecedented persecution, and uh, and uh, a, a relentless uh, you know suffering uh, they are still on revival i mean take on the early rain covenant church and you have spoken for pastor wang yi who was sentenced to 9 years uh for preaching a sermon asking the president to repent and his church even baptized a few hundred uh, after, you know, despite of uh, even their home service, home, you know, uh, like prayer service in their homes or being attacked, arrested, they are still uh, baptizing new believers. And we have seen, you know, believers even after they go to the church, go to the imprison, go to prison, and uh, they would sing hallelujah. You know, Lord, give me a, a 12 days or 14 days retreat over there so that I don't have my iPhone annoying me. I uh, don't have any, uh, even eyeglasses were confiscated, uh, so I can focus on evangelism to fellow prisoners. So prison becomes church. So that's how the revival happens. I think that's how, you know, from 1 million Christians now to 100 million Christians in China. Wow. Wow. So, Bob, uh, very quickly, how can we here in the United States be praying and supporting? What can we do to help our brothers and sisters in China? Thank you, Tony, for asking that question. You know, the Chinese uh, persecuted Christians uh, have been uh, praying faithfully to our suffering brothers and sisters uh, in the U.S. Uh, for Americans. And uh, so uh, they uh, certainly need uh, our support and our solidarity. We should uh, pray and remember them in bond as if we are fellow prisoners. And we can take prayerful action, certainly, in supporting those uh, who are 
working with them and uh, giving them a voice. And of course, uh, in the government, we can pass legislation to sanction uh, those penetrators, I mean, perpetrators of persecution and continue to empower Chinese Christians with the biblical education and worldview training and rule of law training as, as well. All right, uh, Bob Fu, outstanding work as always. Thank you for your dedication and your commitment to the uh, to the kingdom of God and to the people and believers in uh, in China. So good to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Tony. And uh, and folks, uh, by the way, Bob is also a senior fellow for International Religious Freedom here at the Family Research Council. You can get a copy and download his annual report, China Aid, their annual persecution report. You can go to TonyPerkins.com. And we've got the links up there for you. And and this is something I would encourage your pastors to do. China would be a great place to start because they're at the top of the list of abusers. But we need to be praying in our churches every Sunday for the persecuted. I mean, as Bob pointed out, they're praying for us because they see it. They see the early warning signs of the persecution that's even taking place in our own country. We need to learn how to pray for those that are being persecuted. And so I would encourage you to do that. Go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, download uh, Bob's uh, annual report and um, make that a part of your uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday night prayer time. All right, out of time, but I do, again, encourage you, check out the resources at TonyPerkins.com. And remember, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, pray, vote, stand. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 